Hi everyone, and welcome to the 169th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hi guys. How's it going, man? Good, just knocked out another week. Um, yep. We're getting closer to uh, summer, and you know what that means. Oh yeah, lots of stuff coming up. Oh man, lots yes, of cons indeed. and events. Cons and, and events, uh, orchestras. Yep. That's um, exciting. I bought my ticket to the Final Fantasy VII Orchestra, which is happening a day after Ooh. the Kingdom Hearts Orchestra. Now, Churro, I'm just going to, you know, pontificate just a little bit. I just find it so interesting that now, this year, and you said, you know, in June, you know, around E3 time, I wonder why. Why could they possibly be doing a Final Fantasy VII only concert? around e3 time i wonder what they could possibly be doing that for i wonder if it's associated with anything what do you think churro probably uh like final fantasy 7 you know mobile phone or something oh uh, yeah 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 the mobile like the, the mobile game. phone port or mobile phone game. port the, yeah card game yep <laughs> it's probably that maybe they're uh maybe they're gonna have like a collab with adidas or something you know something something Hot small shoes. yeah <laughs> new shoes Flipping uh, Shinra shoes. Oh, like I, the, would, I would buy a pair uh, of those. Those would be awesome because, man, the Shinra logo is so cool. Right. I would love Shinra shoes. Like, if it was, like, black and then, like, assuming it was, like, Nike Air Force Ones, black and then, like, the check or the swoosh is, like, red, like the Shinra logo, but then the trim is gold. And when I say gold, I mean, like, actually, like, metallic-looking gold. Man, I'd buy that. That'd be hot. And then, like, the little rings around the, like, shoelace holes, those are gold, too. I'd be like, I'd Paul George, eat your heart out. Yeah, oh, man, I'd be so fancy wearing that. Oh, man, that'd be great. Speaking of fancy, I know this doesn't affect you, Churro, but I'll just say, as a uh, uh, middle school teacher in, in Japan, this does affect me uh, twice. You know, Korea's uh, national girl group released a new song called Fancy. And uh, f- for me as a English teacher, so I can relate to these kids, but also because I, I love K-pop, you know, th- that's been my homework recently. And, you know, much like Cartman in South Park when he was like, how can I reach these kids? Like that's that's me all the time. And then usually for me, when if it's a if it's a girl student, how can I reach her? Oh, I need to listen to the latest K-pop. If it's a boy student. I talk about, I have to like talk about games, but specifically I have to talk about like Fortnite, which I don't play, but that's usually what kids are playing these days, even here in Japan. Oh God. That's how I we mean, reach these kids. I mean, I got nothing against Fortnite because I never, yeah, I never played it, so I can't judge it, but it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, like what else is new? Like, I'll like, just say as a Kingdom Hearts fan though, we do benefit from Fortnite because all of the money that Fortnite makes goes into making Unreal Engine 4 better. That's how I see it. Well, the funniest thing is that my five-year-old nephew was all like, yeah, I played Fortnite. I'm like, like, what? That's crazy. I was like, when did you play Fortnite? He's like, oh, my my cousin. Uh, When when we went over to great-grandma's house, he showed me Fortnite. And I was like, I was like, what? They're like, were you good? He's all like, no, but I like building stuff. I was like, that's "That's cool." cool. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like almost like the new Minecraft for in that way. Yeah, I mean it's not as 
Um, I mean, he's only five years old, so, yeah. like, he, long as it's not, like, Call of Duty or PUBG, you know, at least Fortnite's more kind of cartoony. Yeah, exactly. In that aspect, so, so yeah, because he asked me, because um, he loves playing my Switch, and he's all, like, he asked me one time if I, if I could buy Fortnite for him. Yeah. I was like, that would well, be up to free. your, <laughs> well, I'll, I'd be like, that'd be up to your, your mom. Yeah, yeah, dad. true, true. So, you know. Interesting. Because cause, cause, cause I don't allow him to play any violent video games. And as yeah, long, yeah. long as he's in my room, he's not playing any violent video games. So that's, 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 that's good. That's what I said for him. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the other interesting thing is that I think pretty much all my students, they all play on Switch. That, that's their platform of choice for Fortnite. I think, I don't think any of them own like a PS4. I think pretty much all of them have Switches though. And most of them, like they got it to play Splatoon, but now they play Fortnite. And I think for a while, some of them were, I guess some of them have PS4s because some of them were playing Apex Legends a lot. And then also the Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Did uh, they play Kingdom Hearts 3? I don't think any of my students have played Kingdom Hearts 3, not even one. But wow. there's at least one student that is into Kingdom Hearts, and she's played pretty much all the games, but uh, she only has a PS3, so she's only played the original titles. I don't know if she... I don't think she's played uh, Dream Drop Distance, though, but she really likes Birth by Sleep, and her favorite character in the series is Aqua, so... That's at cool. least there's... At least there's one kid in the whole school that knows Kingdom Hearts. Hey, what, <laughs> hey, it's, sometimes it's one, it's all it takes. Exactly. So, anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. So for today's episode, we have a two-segment show. Uh, we have first our Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion, which will be our final discussion for the main story of Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, we'll have one more final, final, final Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion episode where we're going to talk about the secret ending and the epilogue and all that stuff in depth. But for this episode, uh, we're specifically going to talk about the second half of the ending uh, portions of the game and that will include the ending of the game so if you have not finished kingdom hearts 3 i would highly recommend returning to this podcast episode after having done so uh, in addition to that our second segment will be our news segment where in that news segment all spoilers will be fair game because this news relates to the kingdom hearts 3 dlc so to be free to talk about that stuff we're going to need to be able to talk about the secret ending and all the extra stuff so uh after the discussion uh i'll I'll, you know do another spoiler warning to make it clear that uh you know the second half of the episode is going to be uh full-on spoiler mode for absolutely everything uh kingdom hearts 3 In the way of announcements, as always, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. Our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. We have Nahika Blaui, Chris Morales, Zach Duranto, who's at zduranto58, Michael Graham, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre23, Tori Patrick, Fayez Bilal, 
Alex Ray Snyder, who's at Alex Ray Snyder, Louis James, uh, Rachel Casterton, who's at Orba Yun Ray, Muhammad Quayam, and Zelda Clone, who's at Apes Type Novels. And Churro, if you could take these last ones. We got Darren Matthews, who's at Doomster73, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Nimjin, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson, Miles Ribbons, Espel Aya, who had Red Peppers, Rob Porter at Squirtyberty1, David Calro, Tobias Cappy at The Tobias Kippy, Vitanitas and Yannick Nod at, at Yannick Nod. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions, questions at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, sorry for not having a uh, question segment on this episode. It's just that we had the uh, uh, surprise news come out of nowhere, so uh, we, we want to cover that. And uh, if, if you know we had a third segment, I think this episode would just be way too long. So uh, yeah, we'll most likely uh, return to the news uh, to the question segment uh, probably next episode. So uh, moving on to the Kingdom Hearts three discussion. So again, as a reminder. Spoilers for the entire game up through and including the ending of the game. And, uh, yeah, all of that stuff will be fair game starting now. So, uh, on the last episode, we talked about everything up until, uh, this point. Uh, so the very last thing that would have happened was Sora, Donald, Goofy, and the whole team of the Guardians of Light were facing off against this massive horde of Heartless and had to be rescued by Yen Sid, who creates this like wall of light and a pathway of light to allow uh, the, the the seven guardians of light to run through the path and head straight on to their destiny to fighting the 13 darknesses. And uh, uh, also uh, Donald and Goofy stay behind with Yen Sid to help him uh, fend off the Heartless. Um, so beyond that, uh, so we finally get to the, uh, showdown and Churro, this has to be one of the coolest cutscenes ever seeing all of organization 13 in the black cloaks walking in formation, man, that was so cool. So badass. How'd you feel about that? Once you, once you, uh, saw it, like, I thought it was like, Oh, it's going down. It's, it's going, going down. down. Exactly. But, but but did you notice the formations of both yeah, organization yeah. and Sora? Have you noticed that Master Zaynard's in the back? Yeah. Sora's leading in the front. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it ends up making like a like a heart shape, which is really interesting. I didn't notice it at first until I saw people mentioning it on Twitter. But yeah, that's totally what happens there, and that's uh that's so cool. That not only it makes a heart shape, but also shows like the personality of both Zaynard and Sora. Mm-hmm. Sora's always. In front, you know, yep. he's always the one that would protect his friends. Well, Zaynort has his, you know, cronies to do everything for him. Exactly. So it shows a complete, total opposite of each other, which is really a nice nod to that. Yeah, everything about it. The imagery is so cool. And on top of that, like, it's really meaningful and says a lot about the characters. Uh, so, yeah, once, once uh, meeting up with them, you know, they exchange a few words and then uh Xehanort basically says that you know on this day on this land we're you know we're gonna form the keyblade finally after all these years of talking about that gosh dang keyblade and not not properly forming it but now this time they're gonna do it so 
And th- then, yeah, he like uses his his uh, no name keyblade to create or summon up the skine of Severance. And uh, yeah, so now you're in this like maze type area. What did you feel about the the maze area as a whole? Do you how do you feel of uh, of it being the setting for? I guess you can, it's not really the setting for the final battle, but it's like the final dungeon, so to speak. And it is the setting for many, many battles and especially many final battles with certain characters. How did you feel about this kind of severance as that having that purpose on its shoulders? It's I mean, it's it's great in the aspect that, you know, it kind of separates all the battles. Yeah. You know, but this but to me in the op, on the opposite coin of that, mm-hmm. it makes it feel kind of like. I don't know, like, I was expecting this big, giant, like, all-on brawl between, like, everybody. Yeah. Not separated, you know, not... Because mm-hmm. basically, since you control Sora... Yes. You're, it almost seems like you're saving everybody. Yeah, true, true, true. So it's like, I just kind of... I was like, I like the idea of it. I like how yeah. it looks like a big, giant, like, old, like, labyrinth, you know, yeah. type of setting. I like that look, but to me, it just kind of cuts off from, like, all the rest of the fights yeah i yeah i I definitely feel the same i i feel like my my bigger my biggest complaint is gonna be the design just it being a maze it just felt kind of uh i don't know kind of lacking in my opinion like just like very simple it's just a bunch of walls connected with each other and i was kind of hoping that if they're gonna do something like that maybe have like like, it'd be really cool if he summoned up, like, a whole castle or something. Like, maybe a castle buried out there in the desert that we didn't know about. Or, you know, I, I was kind of thinking, like, maybe something along the lines of, like, Hollow Bastion. If they if he could summon something like that, that'd be pretty cool. And in that case, like, if, if each area kind of felt, you know, a little bit more unique or at least just the whole area as a whole felt a little bit more designed and not just a bunch of flat walls, like, that kind of... I don't know, to me would have been kind of interesting, especially with the motif of like in between a lot of the fights, there's like these little puzzle elements like that to me feels a lot like hollow bastion. Like remember the, uh, like the underground segment of hollow bastion in kingdom hearts one kind of reminded me of that. So yeah, I don't know, just something along those lines maybe would have been cool. But I I mean, at the end of the day, I I did like what we got with this kind of severance. It was uh, overall pretty fun. I also felt that felt weird when it's like, when you when you have to choose which which uh, team member you're gonna go help, it's yeah. Like all of a sudden, they just throw that mini game right in like that yep. lim- time <laughs> like, limit. And it's like it it kind of like is unsuspecting to like anybody yep. who's never played the game before. And once so you like, pick once you pick your member, you are locked into that route. You can't decide like, oh wait, no, actually, I want to save that other one. Nope, yeah. you're, you're locked in. So I can I. I kind of understand like the importance of it, but it's like, yeah, why just throw that in? You know, it, it, they 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 could have probably done a little better bit better job of that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, overall, I I, I enjoyed the whole segment of this kind of severance. So let's talk about some of the fights that uh, we have here. So I guess like uh, the first options, the first two options. Chira, I'm gonna let you decide which which route we go as we go through these so uh we got sora so you can either save riku or save mickey first which one are you gonna pick churro 
I mean, well, or at least what what did you pick when you played it? Always Riku, because Riku's your bro. Come on. Okay. So I'm gonna go with that as well because that's what I picked. So let's let's talk about that. So when we go to go save Riku, that means we're fighting against Zigbar, and then Dark Past Riku, which, as far as we know, up to this point, he's still Dark Past Riku, and then uh, and some Seeker of Darkness, but. Actually, as you fight him, like not two seconds later, Ansem just goes away. <laughs> I thought I felt that was kind of weird. I know, right? But it's, but yeah, he's just like for two them. seconds. Yeah, so that that was pretty cool. So yeah, you, you're fighting Zigbar and uh, Dark Past Riku and Ansem. The other interesting thing about these is like, so first you have a you have to make a choice between saving Riku first or saving Mickey first. And then once you make your choice, then even then within the fight, you have to decide which member you're going to, you know, focus on first, you know, who are you going to defeat first? And, uh, yeah, for me, I defeated, uh, Riku replica first. How about you? Did you go for Zigbar or Riku replica? Mm, usually, uh, depends on who goes after me first. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That, yeah, that, that makes sense. But, 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 but due to like storyline purposes, usually Riku goes after Dark Pass Riku. Yeah. So that yeah, usually yeah. leaves me with Zigbar. So usually that's the one I go for. Okay. So Zigbar. Okay. So yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah. Zigbar is, uh, you know, I would say very similar to his fight in, um, you know, in, in Kingdom Hearts 2. You know, he does that thing where he's teleporting around and sort of walking upside down. I did appreciate that. Like, a lot of the organization members that we fight here, like, they, they pretty much play very similarly to how they did I back wish, in Kingdom Hearts 2. I kind of wish Zibar kind of, like, changed the battlefield a bit, like, add stuff to it. Like, you know yeah. how he kept changing the platforms in Kingdom Hearts yeah. 2? And it's like, well, if he can change the way it looks, he should add, like, blocks everywhere to kind of, like, distract yeah. you or, or That'd be prevent cool. you from doing stuff. Like, kind of, like, change the way it's, you know, fought. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Uh, so, you, th- the other thing is, like, when you defeat these guys, you know, one by one as you defeat them, uh, basically each one of them has, like, a little speech that they're going to give you. So, you defeat Zigbar. And if I remember correctly, he, like, he's very cryptic. And he's got uh, a very interesting uh, end <laughs> that he decides to go for when he uh, uh, disappears. Yeah. You know, he fall falling backwards off the uh, off the side of the wall and it's not clear what happens to him unlike with the other ones where it's clear that they disappear uh so yeah that's you know that's zigbar very unclear and i think next episode it'll be clear why it's unclear uh so yeah moving on from zigbar so then yeah you can take on uh dark riku and kind of like the the big thing with dark riku is once you've defeated him uh, you know, Riku has his whole little like uh exchange with him, and so like Riku throughout this whole game has been like c- constantly being getting like voices in his head from apparently Riku replica, which I don't know how that happened. How did Riku replica get tied up with Riku? Like, when did that happen? Uh, 
Your guess like, is good as mine, probably. Like, at least when it started in Kingdom Hearts 3, it started ever since he went to the Realm of Darkness, so maybe somehow his spirit or his soul was in the Realm of Darkness and then found Riku there, maybe? Oh! Now I remember. Uh, well, it wasn't Aqua. Uh, it wasn't Aqua. It was the, uh, the Demon Tower knocks Riku into the dark water area. And then I guess maybe in there, while he was down there, maybe Riku Replica helped him? Cause, he found cause, him there? Because uh, cause, cause that, cause that dark Riku, Riku kind of like symbolically, you know, represents his darkness. His darkness yes. side that he had yes. in Kingdom Hearts 1. So, you know, te- you know that water has the tendency to bring out the inner darkness within you. Yes. Like it did yes. with Aqua. So it must have, you know... It's it's just a weird concept with that Niku. It is pretty weird, and also like I mean, if you think about it, like what what happened to you know the Riku replica in in Chain of Memories? Well, he he was defeated. So like if you think about it, like what would have happened to his you know soul, so to speak, or his heart, so to speak? It it must have went to Riku after he defeated him. It could have yeah, it could have either gone to Riku or it could have gone to the Realm of Darkness. And Riku then met him there. So either it was in Riku the whole time or it was in the realm of darkness. And then by Riku needing help, maybe he was reached out to. But either way, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much when it started for him was when he was knocked into the water by the demon tide. So I guess that makes sense. So I guess so. ever since that point, at the very least, Riku replica was present with Riku. And then, um, yeah, so then uh, it gets revealed that this dark past Riku is actually a replica and is a replica. So here's what I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on is where the soul of this Riku comes from. You know, they say it's the dark past Riku, but actually it's just a replica. So I'm guessing it's the heart of the Riku from the past put into this replica into this vessel so not the literal riku from that time but just his heart at that moment in time put into this vessel. It's, it's, it's basically the same concept of exemnus and ansem yeah so it's kind of like this is repliku 2 <laughs> this is the second replica riku but this time made using the heart of riku from king of hearts 1 which is interesting because like I don't know. I because Kingdom Hearts is an RPG and like there's levels and like you grow and you get stronger. It just makes me think like wait, was Kingdom Hearts 1 Riku that strong that he would even stand a chance against Kingdom Hearts 3 Sora and Kingdom Hearts 3 Riku? Like was he that strong? It's like I don't really understand this because we've been we've gone through so many games of getting stronger. Well, except for Sora, who got reset. But, like, at least Riku's gone through so many games of getting stronger. Like, it's kind of like being in the uh, the Cell saga, and then suddenly a Cyberman jumps out. <laughs> it's like it, it just weird how, like, It's just weird how strong Riku is, but yet, like, this Riku replica is, like, on par with that Riku. With yeah. The real Riku. I mean, maybe because of the whole Xehanort involvement, maybe they got, you know, a big power-up. Because, I mean, if you look at uh, Terranort, for example, when he is, like, just murdering all of the the Guardians of Light, that is not normal Terranort. 
that that is some kind of ter- crazy Terranor on steroids because look Terranor's strong don't get me wrong like he's he's a strong guy no no question about that but Aqua beat him by herself and then he comes in wrecking house well i mean i mean you got to remember this is when Xehanor was just barely got into Terra so okay. basically remember and then you have to remember he, Terra was still struggling with Xehanor for control mm-hmm. during the fight oh uh, yeah so Whereas in this case, it's not so much that. Not so much because, you know, Xehanort had hadn't been in possession for like over a year. Yeah. So he's had been a time while. to, you know, to really handle Terra. And and then not only that, um, uh, what was I going to say? Um, Terranor caught everybody off guard. You know, he tricked yeah, sure, them true. all. So basically, he was able to get the jump on them as well so it's like yeah. it's kind of like their plan from the get from the start of it okay so it, it like but like going back like you said you know it's yeah it could be ter- you know xehanort's influence powering them up and then you gotta remember uh you know and the next thing we're gonna be talking about soon with yeah. you know with the Xim that's doing it to lose or you know maybe that was one of the things ansem did that's why he and answer probably made the battle arena stronger for them and then he just departed you know yep that's that's definitely possible at the very least like just speaking more practically if riku was just as strong as he was back in kingdom hearts one then it wouldn't be as fun because he'd be an easy like he'd be an easy you know organization member to 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 kill pretty you know they kill him pretty quickly so obviously he has to be stronger they have to buff him up they have they have to give him uh kingdom hearts three muscles to make him stand a chance so at the end of the day that's the real reason all right so uh yeah so after that you know uh you know you got replica riku's soul grabbing the soul of this dark riku and running away with it and then he disappears and the last thing he says or the last thing they talk about is how they leave this vessel behind and like you know he wants real riku to use it for nomine and then Riku replica it has the most wasted opportunity in history. Churro Riku replica has the chance to say, so it's like, like they, you know, uh, use it for nominee and then he's about to go. And then all he says is good luck when he should have said, take care of her. That would have been cool. That would have been a cool call back to kingdom hearts one Riku, but they just, they squandered it, Cheryl. Can't believe them. You know how it is. They always forget. They always forget all the all the tropes of Kingdom Hearts. We we need to, we need to send an angry email. All right. So uh, so yeah, that pretty much wraps up uh, helping helping out Riku. Uh, moving on from there, uh, once you when do you once you get to helping Mickey, now you're able to fight uh, Luke Sword, Larkshine, and Marluxia, uh, and and then Zemnis is there, but not he doesn't stick around you know much like all the other ones so uh so once so it's kind of hinted once you start fighting who you're supposed to take care of first and that that being uh luke sword because once luke sword shows up he instantly captures mickey in a card so it kind of makes you want to attack him first so you can get mickey to help you uh was that how you did it did you take care of luke sword first because of that well, not only that, you also had the least amount of HP. Yeah, 
Yeah, true. So like, they, they, it, there's a very clear incentive for you to to fight them first. Because so. I've seen playthroughs with people with ultimate weapon and yeah, them just destroying everybody. Like I, I've yeah. seen somebody just just defeat everybody and then just. <laughs> It's just it's just so weird how they like kind of change everything up when things happen like that. It's like yeah, like, for like, sure. For example, I saw somebody defeat um, Malusha first before even really interesting. Luxor, because well, of course they had ultimate yeah. weapon and they just oh, yeah. spam. They can, and it's and um, it's just so weird to see it played done that way. But yeah, normally, yeah. but on a on a first playthrough, yeah, know, most you, people are gonna go Luxor. You as a person would always go for. The a the one with the least HP and b yeah. the one that's causing you know the current scenario that you're in. Yeah, he's also the easiest to hit because like all of his targets are all these cards and they're everywhere. So it's like yeah, and and basically it's just a game within a, you know a game. Yeah. So so it's so yeah. Once you uh, defeat Luke Sword, he has this nice touching little speech where he's like uh, you know really happy to have gotten the opportunity to play a game again with uh with Sora and you know he says that you know he'd like to do that again someday and then you know he you know frees Mickey and then tosses Sora the wild card which we still don't know to this day what that's going to entail but uh that this is clearly something that uh you know is intended to help Sora in the future so that's that's really nice of Luke Sword, and that's actually really nice, you know, for a lot of these, but not all of them, because we're gonna talk about one, for example. But for a lot of these organization members, it's almost like a redemption for a lot of them, and just like facing off against them and defeating them in this form frees them from Xehanort's control, and they're kind of like for the first time just free to be themselves. And then, you know, for a lot of them, as an act of gratitude, they, you know they thank Sora or they help him in some way or at least like show what they really feel about things. And that's really interesting to see for the first time for these guys. It's really good to see that, you know, it's, you know, for, cause it's like when we first met them, they're already part of the organization, the, you know, the, the fake organization, Yep. you know, unaware of what Xehanort's plans are, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and um, we we never get to see them as their whole selves again. Yeah, and it's like it, and and like we don't we don't realize until Kingdom Hearts three what the reasons why they were chosen. Yep. You know, especially you know these members, you know, Lusor, yeah, uh, uh, Marluxia and Larsen. Yeah. You know, they was revealed. You know, before you know this fight is that they're revealed somewhere in the you know they they have a connection to Kingdom Hearts Union Cross. Yep. 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 Yeah. If you so. play Union Cross, you'll see some of that a little bit and then like uh yeah Zeminus pretty much confirms it like straight out that yeah you guys are tied to Union Cross or at least to the past yeah. and uh you know so it'll be clear that you know in the future we'll learn more about that but yeah that part's cool and then yeah on top of that like during these like uh you know dying scenes or these fading away scenes we get to see uh, a more honest, a more genuine side of a lot of these organization members. And the other thing that I like about it is that not all of them are positive. Some of them, you defeat them and they're really nice and, and, and grateful and you know they'll reveal things about themselves. Other ones, nope. They're still just as uh, evil and conniving 
And uh, one example well, of that is a uh, lark scene, which well, is well, the, that's part yeah. of her personality, though. She's yeah. Kind of, I mean, like it's. I mean, there's there's still a specific reason behind it. Yeah, because you know, like we said, you know, like I mentioned just a second ago, that yep. she has ties to Union Cross, and yep. you know, unfortunately, her segment in Union Cross hasn't came to global yet. It's only in Japan yeah. still. And, and yeah, even in the Japanese one, we don't know that much. Like she's she's got a, a few cutscenes, but like it's it's still just started for Lark scene. So yeah, and we don't really know exactly why. Like it could have yep. been something that happened back then that caused her to be who she is now. Yep, exactly. So we'll we'll have to see how that develops. But yeah, she's sassy till the end, and she's mostly she mostly hates like, like she's sassy, but it's not that she's uh, necessarily evil. She just hates that she lost to Sora. You know, she still sees Sora as kind of like a lame kid, which you know, fair enough. Like if I was in her shoes, I wouldn't be. I I wouldn't hurt her, or I wouldn't hate her for feeling that because sometimes Sora does dumb things, but. Uh, she is also she she does act a little bit grateful and she basically says that she's glad that Sora kept her from becoming quote unquote that geezer's heart tank. So kind of kind of uh, better clarifies what the their relationship is to to Xehanort. It, you know, it's almost like how in Dream Drop Distance where uh Zigbar said, "Well, I'm already half Xehanort." So it could be one of those things where it's like they're marked for being his heart container, but maybe not fully transformed yet. Well, because well, because we we all know that the reason why they they need to be have Zeno's containers to become a darkness to exactly. make the keyblade. That's their only purpose is to become yep. a keyblade. That's Cause just because remember yeah, once they once, have to do. once each person is defeated, you know Zane, you know, you know. It, part of Xehanort's plan you know, comes to fruition and basically he just tosses yep. them aside. They're exactly. no longer you know, needed. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, all he wants is for the Seven Lights to clash with the Thirteen Darknesses. As long as they do that, no no skin off his nose. Yep. Xehanort can care less what happens to them. Exactly. So... Uh, that that is uh interesting, and I'm assuming you know at least going based off of what she says, I'm assuming perhaps if they had been victorious, like at, at if it, even if they were victorious, they would have just ended up being the container for his heart, you know, kind of like how Terra is or Terranort is. So like either way, like they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. Either they die or they uh you know, turn into Xehanort himself or another form of Xehanort. So, you know. Yeah, because you, you, you got to remember that mm-hmm. for this real organization, the only mm-hmm. person who's willing to do it was Zigbar. But yep. uh, but I'm not going to say it now, but, you know, yeah. there are reasons behind it that will get revealed probably in the next exactly. episode. Yeah. But so. everyone else was probably, you know, was taken mm-hmm. after their, they were defeated by Sora and they were restored. Yep. Exactly. So basically, they were kidnapped this time. Yeah, I think the only other one that went "quote unquote" willingly was uh, Vexen, but he had his own uh, his own plans. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, apart from that, like pretty much the only one, the only other ones that we hear about that have well, we we don't know exactly why they joined, but we hear about the time that they rejoined 
was, uh, you know, members nine through 12, you know, Zemnis reaches out to them again. And he says to them, the reason he reached out to them is because of their ancient, uh, keyblade legacy, so to speak. And, you know, we still don't have entirely the full story on that, but that's kind of what we got out of there. And then, and, then, you, then, then you know, Demix was there because there was just a backup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then uh, Larxene, she also gives another hint, which is kind of an interesting hint because totally, totally a different, uh, totally comes out of left field, is that the real reason she's, she's stuck around again is she said that she was just going along for the ride because of one of the other members. Which, ooh sounds like she likes somebody. Which, um, yeah. It, which, it's always been kind of hinted that that might, may have been the case. Maybe in the case, but, you know, like I said, it's there's a, there's an obvious reason. Be, I mean, the full reason's not there, but we can... Yeah. We, we, we know what the, you know, relationship is between those yeah. two because of Union Cross, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, speaking of Marluxia, so... Yeah, basically, you know, you defeat Marluxia after once you've once you've defeated uh, the other two, Luxard and Larkshin, and uh, he has some interesting things to say. And especially if you've played any Union Cross, you know that his uh, backstory is one of the more interesting ones because it's you know really unclear about hit you know if he's a good guy or a bad guy and. Uh, so yeah, here are some of the lines that he says as he dies. So he's like, oh, so it all comes back to me. <laughs> as in to laugh. And then uh, Sora says, hey, is that a real laugh? Yes. My heart is remembering how to feel. Really? That's good. And now I am on the cusp of reclaiming my identity. My purpose of being, thanks to you, Sora. And I just want to make a very important note here related to the last episode. Notice the very distinct lack of Sora telling Marluxia about the Nameless Star. All you people that think the Nameless Star is uh, a certain character from Union Cross that relates to him. I just want y'all to remember, may the court... See, may may the jury reflect on this truth that the nameless star told Sora who the person was that she was waiting for and Sora saw that saw a certain person that people think that person is and Sora specifically said and the only reason the nameless star told him or told him uh, the name of that person was because he, he says, Oh, you know, I'm going back to the realm of light. So, you know, tell me who you're waiting for and I'll go tell them if I see them. And then he has a shock expression and all that nonsense. And then, you know, he leaves and we don't know. We never know what it is. She says, Oh, our secret. If that person was Marluxia, Sora just saw this guy and saw him dying but he knows he's not actually dying and that he will come back. So why the heck if it was Marluxia and he saw Marluxia and this, you know, nameless star told him Marluxia and, you know, why wouldn't he have said, Hey, by the way, you know, I know you're going to die, but I know you're also going to come back a little bit later. Just so you know, 
there's some like heart thing in the realm of the dead, I guess. Final world. Uh, it's waiting for you. I don't know who they are, but they've been waiting for you. They they called you out by name. They would have said that. So well, I don't know. Uh, at who the it same is. time, though, at the same time, Sora has yeah. a tendency to forget things, like demonstrating the very beginning of the game. Yes, but I don't no. think he forgot instantly because this it would have just happened. Come on, so. come on. Sora encountered Maleficent and Pete, and he he didn't tell you and said. Yeah, true. I just I just think. That to me is a little bit too far of a leap in logic. At the very least, he said directly to the nameless star, "Tell me who you're waiting for, so I can tell them." And then, if it was Marluxia, why wouldn't he have told him? So that, that's I'm just putting it out there. Just putting it out so, there. It could go. It so could might. either way. So could might. go anyway. So I'm just what I'm saying. Yeah. So anyway, moving on from there. There are uh, another two routes that you can go down. You've got Sora, and you could either help Aqua and Ven, or you can help Kyrie and Axel. Sure, which way did you go? I went after Kyrie and Axel. Okay, so let's go that way. I'll just say I went to Terra and Aqua first, but not because I didn't want to help Kyrie first. I wanted to help Kyrie first, but then I thought, mm, I should I should save this for later because I was looking at that that scene and saw wait Axel and Kyrie are fighting Syx and Shion, and I just thought, oh, there is some tea here. There is some tea here. So I was like, "All right, I'm gonna save the tea for later." So let's no. save the tea for, or, or no, let's let's deal with the tea now. Well, I, that's why I went because uh, I say I went to Kyrie because you know Sora and Kyrie. So yeah, yeah, that makes it. sense. Yeah, I think I think that route makes more sense because that's probably what Sora would have done anyway. Yeah. So yeah, Sora, Kyrie, and Axel versus Syx and uh, somebody. Who knows? I already said her name. It was Shion, but whatever. Look, it's obvious to anybody playing Kingdom Hearts that that's Shion. Uh, I'm just happy that we got to finally see Kyrie fighting <laughs> in this game. <laughs> After all these years, she's fighting again, and uh, she she's, she does okay. Um, so yeah, you, you, you know, you fight, you you fight uh Syx, and he's in his in his berserk mode, and then eventually there's a cutscene where Zemnis shows up. And is about to kill Axel, and apparently maybe destroys his Keyblade, maybe? maybe, and then and then also like shoots lasers at him, and then pull us pulls out his lightsabers and, and is gonna kill him, but then she unstops it and like grabs the lightsaber with her hand. <laughs> I would just say not advisable, Shion, but uh, okay. And then uh, yeah. Like, you know, we need him alive or whatever. No, we just need his heart. You know what, Shion? How about you kill him? And then she can't do it. And then Sora stops her and then calls her by name, Shion. And then suddenly Axel remembers it's Shion and they get knocked down. And then uh, a heart pops out of Sora and then Roxas appears. <laughs> Look, a lot happens. And then, yeah. Uh, what, he, what does he say, though, when he first arrives? Oh, I forgot. It was uh, what does like, he say? Does it say it's the I have two different things. It's either hands off my friends or don't touch my friends. Oh yeah, it's one of those. 
And then uh That's a cool oh, entrance yeah. though. Okay, this was another point where I felt they had a real big missing opportunity of 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 bringing you back an old line. So here's how I uh, so here's what I remember from the scene. So Roxas shows up and then Xemnas is like, "How? How is this possible?" And then Roxas basically says that, you know, uh Vexen uh, you know, using the replica program was able to, uh, set this up and that, you know, uh, Xehanor isn't as charismatic as you think. He's not able to keep hold of his members that well, is he? Because like so many of his members are betraying him. And he also said that what he needed was, uh, not just the, the heart, not just the vessel, but he needed a connection. And by Sora reaching out, to Xion and then creating that connection, he was able to return. And I was hoping that in that moment, he would have said to Sora, you make a good other. See that? That's the kind of, that's the kind of cheese I want. I want that kind of cheesiness. Bring me back old lines or what have been cut. What would be even cooler is what if Sora said that back to Roxas? That would have been cool. You make a good other. Just as like a response back from Kingdom Hearts 2. That's the kind of cheese we need in Kingdom Hearts 4. Let's, let us never forget. But anyway, you know. So so now you get to fight, you know, with Roxas and Xion on your sides. They are super strong and super cool, especially Roxas. And the music. Oh, my God, Jero. The music in this fight is, like, some of the best music ever. It's like a cover of Another Promise and you got Xion's theme is like all crazy and orchestral and like really high quality. That's one of those songs that I want to hear live one of these days because that's just, it's so beautiful. All right. So, so you defeat Saix, right? And then once you finally defeat Saix, he finally like reveals to Lee that, you know, after all this time, like he's always been searching for quote unquote, that girl that, you know, they have been looking for back in hollow bastion which was kind of the reason why they ended up joining the organization was to chase after quote-unquote that girl which i think they they had initially revealed that story plot i don't think we talked about it in the discussion so far but so they had revealed that uh story a little bit earlier in the in the game i think they i think it was uh axel and Saix. they met on top of the twilight town clock tower yep yeah and i think that's when they first introduced that plot point and in that instant i didn't know what it was about and then i had thought and the reason why i mentioned before why i felt there was tea there was that i saw it was axel and saix fighting but then also Kyrie and Shion were there and then I thought wait they're looking for a girl that was in Hollow Bastion Kyrie was a girl that lived in Hollow Bastion oh wait also Kyrie lost her memories and then came to Destiny Islands and was clearly very close to Ansem wait is that the girl or is or is she related we'll talk more about that next episode but that's the reason why I thought there was tea there and, and and there might still be tea there that hasn't been addressed yet but like Kyrie specifically has a line 
somewhere in this whole ending segment where she mentions the fact that, oh yeah, I don't really remember my time in, in hollow bastion at all, which we we've known ever since the beginning of kingdom hearts one, you know, that she lost her memories of that time. So that's the reason why when I first saw them all together, it clicked for me and I'm like, oh my God, there's a connection here related specifically to the girl they're looking for. And maybe it's related to Kyrie slash Shion or both, or I don't know. Just ideas. So yeah, Sykes makes it makes up with Lee. And then once once they're all gone and Sora goes off to Oh oh by the way, Kyrie gets kidnapped. I forgot yep. to mention that. Xemnas kidnaps Kyrie. That's a big deal. And then yeah, so Sora goes off to go uh save the day as as he does. Um and then Jero. The the most touching thing ever. Th- this is the kind of stuff that is like too real. Hashtag too real for me. After, you know, all is said and done, after all this stress, Shion just can't keep it together and she starts to cry. Like, you can tell she's, like, holding it back, but then she just starts to break down and then, like, oh, my God. Like, that to me, that brought tears to my eyes because that was such a – that's such a genuine emotion there that she's been trying to keep it together this whole time. And she tried to keep it together throughout the whole fight prior to that when they were when she was fighting on the side with uh with Saix trying not to burden them with the memory of her not to burden them again with with that with her and she was so worried and trying to hold it back and then now finally that you know everything is over she just like starts to let it out and it's just like oh my god it's just it's just a lot of things happen like you know you know once she realized what she was and what her purpose is yeah you know, to her being, you know, dis- having been destroyed by Roxas. Yep. To, you know, bringing back for just to, you know, it's almost like being brought back from the dead to be yeah. used And to, for, ca- to cause them harm. Yeah. You know, and here you are being forced to fight against the person, the people who you, you know, you cared about. Exactly. Know, it's just... That's a lot for someone to experience. Yeah, it's really cruel. And then finally, for all that to be gone, and now you're finally reunited with your friends, friends you never thought you would reunite with. Maybe maybe she felt like, oh, maybe I might meet Axel, but like Roxas? How the heck are you going to meet him? But then, nope, here they are. They're all here together finally. So it's like it it, it only makes sense that she would you know break down in that way and like that to me just that hit me hard so i really love that and axel with this maybe i should have brought ice cream yeah maybe i should have brought ice cream yeah that was a great line all right so uh so that's so that's that area uh the other uh area that's close to this is uh aqua and ven versus vanitas and terranort so uh yeah, I guess we can go over this uh, pretty quickly, but, you know, Sora, Aqua, and Ven, they fight Vanitas and, and Terranort. You know, I, uh, if you beat Terranort first, he just sort of gets knocked down and falls down, and, you know, they kind of save his uh, his ending stuff for later. But for Vanitas, uh, yeah, once you defeat Vanitas, you sort of, like, smash his face mask, and you can see, like, half of his face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and know, then, they Sora can... gets, then Sora gets surprised once the... Yeah. You see more of it. Yeah. And then exactly. finally they address why, you know, they kind of like, that was one of the biggest things I've seen people want was, yeah. you know, what would Sora react to, you know, seeing Vanitas' face. Yeah. 
which yeah, so glad that they finally did that. But yeah, here's another example of a uh a member of the darkness uh being defeated and then still doubling down and saying, "No, screw you guys. I'm I I am darkness." And, you know, not not uh repenting and and changing his ways. Nope. Doubled down completely. He's like, "Nope. I'm evil." Even even on my deathbed, I am evil. Screw you guys, and he just disappears. I'm, I'm just I'm just glad it, it kind of ended that way because yeah. it's like it just shows that he you know he's pure darkness. You know, there's yeah. no there's no light can be in him. Yeah, that's so. the, that's the thing. That's that is who he is. He's the darkness from Vanitas's heart or from Ventus's heart. So th- there is no light in him. That's the point. That's who he is. Like that's yeah. that's his essence. So it's like. Of course, that's who he is. And I do like that because by Vanitas being this way and, you know, also with Larkshin being, you know, still sassy, you know, just because Sora saves them doesn't mean that they're changing their ways or. Yeah, that's the one thing I it, it's kind of like I, we call it. I've seen people call it the Naruto effect. Yep. Where when Naruto talks to an enemy, you know, so his words. Yeah, suddenly they turn, suddenly they turn good. Yeah. So, like, I'm kind of glad. That the Naruto effect doesn't work on everybody that Sora saves. Yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, it does happen a lot throughout this whole ending portion of the game, you know, to various characters. But I do appreciate that for a lot of them. Also, it's completely unaffected. You know, they're just as evil as they've always said they are. So, you know, I'm I'm glad that that uh, it isn't fully effective on everyone. You know, it makes it it makes it more valuable. Even though it sucks that you know they 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 aren't able to help some of these people, it makes it more valuable to the ones that they are able to save or are able to reach. You know, with their yeah. words, it makes it more valuable because it it's not a guarantee. Uh, so yeah, moving on from there, finally defeating Terranort, uh, you got a really uh, cool uh fight scene. You know, Aqua and uh, Ventus trying to fight and reach their friend who's been deeply trapped in darkness this whole time and uh you know he he uses the the chains of like darkness to sort of i I thought this was really dark and actually like i did not think they would go there like be this violent like usually if uh you know an enemy is gonna kill one of somebody in in this game they'll usually use like some kind of fantasy method which yeah technically he was but he first he uses chains to tie up aqua and then and then he starts shaking them and like throwing them around like physically you know you know throwing them around and then that knocking them out you know you know just the force of them being flung around like that that for one that's kind of violent and then on top of that the way he was going to kill them was he raised them up in the air and dropped them. Like, he's not using a, a fantasy method to kill them. He's dropping them, uh, you physically. know. Physically. Physically. That was dark. Like, I was not expecting uh, that scene to go there, you know, uh, in terms of the violence of it. But uh, I, I think, yeah, one of the coolest parts is, you know, you, you get uh, the Guardian, uh, who we now know is called the one who stands behind I guess that's his name, something like that. That's how it's being yeah. translated. And uh, he comes out, saves Aqua and Ven before they hit the ground. And I thought it was so cool. And the instant he did this, I knew I, I, I got it. 
he like ripped the he ripped the cloth off of his mouth that was binding his mouth together. It's like <gasps> that's Tara. Oh my god, Tara's been there the whole time. He was the guardian. Oh. That was so cool. I did not expect that. But it like it like that's one of those things where like some people say, oh, it's a retcon. Like they're retconning it so that that guardian is Tara. He didn't always know that that would be Tara. And like, you know what? Screw you. I like this. This was cool. Like, cause this makes everything about it makes sense. Cause all of that concept was, it was all built into his character design and it all makes sense. So yeah. I love it. Like, how, how did you feel about this whole fight scene? And then, oh, I guess, I guess I'll, uh, complete what, what ends up happening. So, uh, you know, what, once, once that ends up happening, the guardian takes hold of, uh, of Terra Nord, allows Sora to, uh, use the light to sort of, uh, eliminate the Xehanort from him. And then, uh, you know, uh, the, the guardian, uh, re- releases Terra's heart and then Terra re-enters his body and is finally recompleted as Terra. Everybody is, happy happy like crazy crying and glad to be reunited and then Sora leaves so how'd you feel about this whole area churro like how how, like for me it was super touching and i really enjoyed it it was they finally got a happy ending they're finally Finally. you know they're they were ones that you were suffering the longest exactly so you know it's the reunion was so touching i actually enjoyed this reunion more than you know roxas Sion, and Mm -hmm. axel yeah, I can understand that for sure. Cause you know, I mean, in some ways, like this whole adventure of kingdom hearts three started with them. Like, you know, it's all about ending the suffering of the people that have, you know, are related to Sora. And, you know, th- these, these were some of the ones that have been waiting the longest, you know, for, for their, for their peace to finally come. So, uh, definitely greatly appreciated that it was done with uh, this level of care. So, uh, yeah, so that covers up most of the big uh, uh, fights uh, leading up to, you know, some of the last stuff. So then, you know, you get on top of the sky of Severance and you got your next big fight. You, you know, the last three big uh, darknesses before the big old bald guy. <coughs> you got young master, Z- or young Xehanort, Zemnis, and Ansem, Seeker of Darkness. So, yeah, with each of these, you know, this is a big fight. I really enjoyed it, like, gameplay-wise. Like, I lo- I always love these guys. So, you know, to me, this was my favorite fight out of all of them, gameplay-wise. Obviously, I haven't done it on critical mode yet, but we'll have to see. But I really enjoyed fighting them. Uh, and I think what's really interesting is again what they say once each of each of them are defeated young xehanort is really interesting because he you know this is another example of where the naruto effect does not work at all but makes sense because if it worked on him you know the way the timeline works for kingdom hearts it would completely ruin it like it 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 wouldn't make sense if he was able to reach him because this is young xehanort this is xehanort from the past which means he has to stay evil so that all of this can still come to pass. Yep. And it's really interesting and, and actually really cruel where basically young Xehanort's like, yeah, you beat me. That's kind of whatever. Like I'm young anyway. And yeah, you defeating me. All that means is that I go back and I get to live my life like normal. And 
you know, and then eventually I'll just do this all again as an old man. And then he also like nails it back in is like, but that's not what's going to happen to you. Your time. He says your time in this world is, and it, you know, gets cut off because he disappears. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of hints that young Xehanort drops. And it's like, one thing that I really like about, uh, you know, Kingdom Hearts three, I guess we'll talk about it more later when we talk about the actual ending is that, you know, it, it puts its money where its mouth is when it says a prophecy, it means it like, uh, you know, when a prophecy is told in Kingdom Hearts, it will come to pass. And yeah, that's definitely like one of those things. So yeah, moving on from uh, defeating young Master Xehanort, uh, once you defeat Xemnas, uh, it's really interesting uh, the way his uh, character uh, development is shown. He He's shown to have emotion. And he basically, he says, it's my first surge of emotion in years. Because, you know, he's been a nobody this whole time and sort of rejected is, the concept is, that he could grow a heart. Which is weird because this is a nobody of... of uh of a uh, Terranort. Yeah, exactly. Cause, cause like, cause that surge of emotion could be like from Terra's side, you know, yeah. Terra always showed emotion, whereas Xehanort didn't. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. So he, he finally shows a surge of emo- emotion. And then he also is like, you know, this is my first surge of emotion in years. And the emotion is loneliness because he feels he feels like he feels pain for uh his comrades that rejected rejected him and his comrades that betrayed him and he was just kind of like done with it and then uh he, he basically like gave respect to the strength of humans to be able to stand the pain of having emotions so that's that was a really interesting admission and it just goes to show like you know, some of the depth of, you know, Xemnas as a character. Like he's definitely one of the villains that I feel is the most interesting because, you know, he, he really lives up to the idea of being between light and dark where he's still evil, you know, don't, no question about that, but you know, his me or his purpose is more that one of curiosity and wonder. And he wants to know what it's like to, to feel emotion, whether it be a positive one or a negative one. And finally he gets to experience it and it's a painful one. And it's really interesting that he gets that experience. And then, yeah, I guess finally, like, you know, defeating Ansem seeker of darkness, the villain that we've been with the longest. And, and Riku even says like, I'm actually going to kind of miss you, you know, says yeah. it straight it to his just, face. It's like losing a part of yourself. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, like for me, you know, Ansem Seeker of Darkness was surprisingly one of the most level headed ones out of all of them, which kind of speaks to his character as being a scientist. Cause that, that was kind of his thing was that him living as Xehanort, you know, he became a, he became a scientist and he admired Ansem the wise and he wanted to discover, you know, he is Ansem Seeker of Darkness. He's a seeker of knowledge. And, you know, his, his, uh, whole monologue here definitely is a testament to that. And, uh, he also admits that to Riku that because he, that, that he could never surpass Riku because Riku was someone who was able to surpass darkness 
And that's something that Ansem could never do was, was surpass darkness. He's always given into it. And then, um, what I think is really interesting is that, and I, I don't know, this is me reading maybe way too much into it, but I read into this as a direct message from Tetsuya Nomura to us, the fans, where he says that, uh, there are other things to seek. So go forth now and seek it. And that to me kind of feels like a message to the Kingdom Hearts fans, you know, about the series going forward. Uh, and, and actually a lot of, I would also say Zemnis's line, actually pretty much all of these lines are like messages. To me, I feel like they're messages straight from Nomura about as a comment on the series, you know, uh, young Xanort being like, your time in this world is over or, uh, Zemnis being like, you know, talking about loneliness and being rejected by his former companions. You could read that into being what happened to Nomura with, uh, with, uh, with 15 and him, you know, being rejected in that way, but then, you know, respecting everyone else being able to move on uh, in in spite of that. And then, and some secret of darkness coming in and being like, you know, we've got a bright future ahead of us. So let's like look forward to the future. That's kind of how I feel about just the whole ending of kingdom hearts three. But, uh, so yeah, that's, that's those three guys. Let's get onto the Masters Anort stuff so we can, uh, wrap up our ending discussion. So, Masters Anort ki- kills Kyrie with the Keyblade, or kills Kyrie, gets the Keyblade, summons Kingdom Hearts. Sora, Donald, and Goofy go after him. That bastard. He killed Kyrie. And we go to Scala Ad Kylum. And I love this because th- this, ne- these next two lines I also feel are direct. <laughs> message from Tetsuya Nomura to the fans because Goofy's like he he sees the the city and then he's like it's beautiful and then Donald's like admire it another time <laughs> because clearly we don't have it, enough I never thought of it that way <laughs> that's how I see it because I, I, I saw it again yesterday and I'm like yep that's exactly what that feels like to me because instantly once you like walk even just a little bit into the town, the final battle starts. You have no time to enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, that's that. I feel that's interesting. Cause like, otherwise why, why would Donald ever say admire it another time? Like that's, well, that's I mean, it is, thing. I mean, it's kind of an important thing right now to go after Zaynart. Yeah, for sure. He just, he just opened up kingdom hearts and you know, yeah, you just, you you just, you know, they got bigger like, fish to fry. Exactly. You know, the main important thing is to go after him. So, yeah. And on top of that, just speaking practically, look, we all know they did not build that big old beautiful town and they're not going to use it. They'll use it again someday. We just don't know how or when or why, but I, I'll, I'll go with Donald and say, maybe we'll get to admire it another time, but this time is not that time. Unless you like to break out of the map and you get to see all the other stuff that they built for that world. And like, actually there's a lot of stuff off screen that you just can't see. So yeah, maybe we really will be able to admire it another time. So yeah, let's talk about the final battle. So the first uh, part of the final battle is the encountering the clones or, or encountering the, uh, the, the dark vessels, which to me personally was so cool. Like that, part of the fight is such an amazing iconic experience for me in kingdom hearts three, because it is such a weird concept. There's such a weird 
like uh, gap between the beautiful serenity of Scala Ad Kailum and how just beautiful it is. You know, it's this bright, beautiful, sunny day. You know, everything looks completely peaceful, not a person on the street, yet you have all these crazy uh, knights floating around like crazy uh, specters, crazy ghosts teleporting around you and, and trying to kill you. It's like that contrast to me was so awesome. Like, Chero, how cool is it for you to uh, finally get to to play that fight? It was, I mean, it was something I was waiting for. Yeah. For quite some time. I mean, it could have been a little bit better, but yeah. I was happy with what I got. Yeah, it's definitely like, I don't know, that part for me was really awesome. I also appreciate the fact that, you know, it's a very interesting, like, freeform design in that you can go anywhere in that town and, and they'll follow you there and, you know, they'll start appearing in various places. And I like that too. Cause like you, 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 you walk straight and like nothing happens, but like yeah. when you reach specific areas, it's like, boom, it's like the yep, camera just, changes. Yeah. The camera just changes and it locks onto them where they are. I love the camera work there. It is so cool. Every time one, sh- one of those groups show up and the camera like s- switches and like sh- focuses on them. I just love that Kingdom Hearts 3 like figured out this whole seamless camera transition stuff cuz it looks so cool and yeah in this fight it's some of the best in the whole game. And the music just, you know, switches, oh, you know, to so that. cool. Yeah. That that's another thing we need to comment on is the music that's that plays in the town very briefly that you can only enjoy for a little bit. <laughs> that is like the town music before you actually get into the fight music. That oh, music, yeah. that, that music that is, is the unsung hero of of Kingdom Hearts three. I've there's never been I never seen a negative comment about that, but I always yeah. see so much praise for it, and it's such yeah. a good so good cool. Town. I'm just like release soundtracks. To me. I know, yeah, they got to release the soundtrack, and then and then yeah, on top of that, I want to know what their like the actual titles of them are. That's the other surprising thing is that so we had the Kingdom Hearts Orchestra thing, and they didn't like have any names for any of the new tracks. They just sort of like listed them as med- medleys or melodies, which I, it makes sense, but dang, like a, I thought they would let a few of the titles slip, right. but nope, they, they're still keeping tight lip. I guess maybe they, maybe they haven't decided on the names yet <laughs> as weird as that might be. So, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, so moving on from there, uh, yeah. So the next, uh, segment of the battle is uh, the armor Xehanort uh, section. Uh, so Xehanort gets in his, uh, I-, I guess, legit his real armor that shows his true form. Uh, apparently in the past, you know, we saw the, uh, you know, in Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, when Xemnas wore that armor in uh, the final battle, apparently that was always supposed to be Master Xehanort's armor. And it is. It, that is his armor. But this one is the armor that we get here is basically reveals what the true form of his armor is because it symbolizes the evil and the darkness in him. Whereas the other one may be sort of like a a false light or a false armor, so to speak. And uh, yeah, this, this one that we see is like, this is the true one and it uses a goat head imagery which for anyone that knows about uh, symbolism and mythology, the goat heads tend to symbolize Satan specifically. Uh, 
which is a really dark place and dark imagery to go with, but that is what which, it which is. Which also brings us a uh, Keyblade yep. design full circle. Yeah. No Name, specifically No Name, the No Name Keyblade uses the symbol of the goat. And yeah, usually in like mythology, if somebody is using a goat, that means they're the symbol of evil, a symbol of Satan. You also, if you like look at Xehanort, like his head shape and his ears, he's a, he's a freaking goat. <laughs> That's what he is. He doesn't have horns, but like apart from that, like his head shape, he's got the little beard, same beard as a goat. He's got the I mean, ears of a goat. And his beard's almost like, you know, what people perceive Lucifer to be. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, really interesting uh, symbolism that is very, uh, you know, a little on the nose, but, yeah, interesting that it's there. And uh, so, yeah, moving from there. So Xehanort does this crazy stuff with his Keyblade and, uh, war- like, warps space-time. And, like, the town starts folding in on itself and then goes underwater. Which I thought that was so cool because the only time I've ever seen that effect in a 3D game has been in, like, some weird Minecraft mods. Where they would, like, use some weird Java modding where... Some GSL script where they would make the ground, like, wavy. And it was, like... It would simulate simulate the the same thing that happens in like Inception, where the city folds in on itself. It, it's kind of like that idea, so it's really cool to see it here. I've never seen it like a like a professional shipping game to ever use that effect before, you know, in real time at least. So that was cool. <clears throat> so yeah, uh, next is you know the underwater portion of the battle. Which, thank God, we get to use the uh, the underwater battle mechanics again. And actually in the final battle, which, you know, I was kind of worried that that would be kind of a one-off thing for, you know, more or less for uh, pirates. Well, it's but funny. they got it's to funny. reuse it. It's funny because not a lot of people were fans of the underwater battle. Oh, I love it. I love it. Maybe maybe I'll hate it now that it's uh, critical mode, but I love it. I think it's cool. I love the magic, so that's just me at least. Uh, so yeah, and uh, I guess the other big thing that's kind of a big reveal is that uh, at at one point during the fight or one phase of the fight, you can actually see the ruins of Daybreak Town's castle underground or under the water, but upside down, which kind of gives you uh, a big hint as to the nature of what Scala Adkailum is, or at least what it was at the some point. The funny thing is, is that you actually see it in the opening CG of yep. the game. Yep. Yep. That's cool. For a split second. Yeah, for a split second, which is, yeah, really interesting. Uh, Churro, uh, I think you, you'll you be able to give us an interesting perspective on this. How does how does what Scala Kylum became, how does that compare to what you saw of what we were calling back in the day Cable Town? How does it compare to what you saw? It's actually does, a lot – I mean, of course, it's a lot better because, you know, they've been yeah, working yeah. on it for years. But, yeah. you know, back then it was just – it was just uh, – very very early tech demo just like yeah. it wasn't as big and expansive as what we see now yeah but back then it was still big and then you know it was, it was still bright yeah very sunny cuz cuz when when it transitioned from the outlook of the town to mm-hmm. you know then it just zooms into one of the windows and then all of a sudden you see you know sort of walking in the in the building, in the library, where you know uh, young Zaynard and young Ericus were playing chess, yeah, you know, it's it's still a lot of you know light 
you know, lighting yep. there. So it's still very sunny. It's just now it's just way more detailed. Back yeah. then it was more like it. It just really looked like a early, like a very early concept of like yeah. land of departure with the chains and everything. Gotcha. Yeah, and then uh, it, it, as far as I remember, you saying it it still had at that time it had the cable car concept already. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah, so that's that's interesting. Yeah, so yeah, I, I mean, of course, yeah, you know, as you said, they've been working on this thing for years. So, and it's like, just, it shows. It just, it just, it's amazing to me how they kept this part. Yeah, completely hidden. Completely hidden from public view until the till the final trailer, which was released in December. Yeah, yeah, they come. They kept it completely hidden. I mean, yeah. other than other than the chess room, which they they've shown a lot, but like the outside, nothing. Yeah. They haven't shown yeah, cause, anything. Because we saw this trailer in December of 2014, yeah. I believe. Yeah, 2014, yeah. And then it, they revealed it in December of 2018, so basically four years. Yeah. A little over four years. Yeah. I would love to see, like, now now that the game is out, I'd love to see them uh, re-release it, or re-release that trailer. Uh, I don't know if they ever would, but it would be pretty neat to see it uh, again. I wonder if the concept art is, is in the Ultimania. Uh, I can check, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I saw anything. I mean, there may be concept art for it, but I think it's more in line with what it ended up being in the final. So it might be, it might've been like old, like newer concept art per, perhaps, okay. but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a look if I see anything, I'll post about it, but I, I haven't seen anything in the Ultimania that hasn't already been really posted about already a lot. So, uh, yeah, I guess other than that, uh, moving on from there, then it's like an aerial battle, you fighting, uh. Xehanort as he's flying around and uh, you're constantly being knocked up into the air. I think by air. I don't know. Somehow we're gliding around. I forget how it works exactly. But yeah, you know, again, another one of those concepts that Nomura likes to use, at least in Kingdom Hearts, is the concept of land, sea, and air battles, all three in the same game. And I really loved it that he used it again in this this concept for this final battle. And what's really interesting is that once you get there, like Scala Ad Kylum is completely destroyed in the aerial version of this battle. And it kind of feels like to me that this whole final battle kind of tells you the story of what happens with Scala Ad Kylum. You know, at first it's, you know, it's this wonderful, you know, wonderland. It's this utopia. paradise. Yeah. It's this utopia. And then, you know, as Xanort kind of hints with his keyblade. Then things get tur- straight turned upside down, <laughs> you know. Fresh principle. It just falls to darkness. Falls to darkness, and then yeah, and then you get to see the aftermath of that—that that it's all destroyed. And uh, yeah, so then yeah, the final portion of the battle, you know, we're on top of the castle, and we fight against Master Xehanort for the final battle. So with the yeah, with the Keyblade, the Keyblade. So Churro, on the whole, how did you feel about this whole segment of the final battle with? Master Xehanort, and how does this live up to or compare to uh, final battles from prior games for you? How, how would how do you feel about you know this whole final battle segment? I th- I think they kept it like more neutral because you know yeah. Kingdom Hearts one and Kingdom Hearts two the the battles were Final Fantasy esque. Yeah, very were, like, Final Fantasy esque. Yeah, you know they have you know final in Kingdom Hearts one you have the battle with you know Ansem and the big giant like Bahamut ship. Yeah, and like even even before that, which you know, like you said, very Final Fantasy esque, it has 
you know, three phases and it feels like a final fantasy, like final boss where there are three phases where, all right, now we're fighting, uh, Ansem and the guardian. And okay, now we're fighting Ansem, the guardian, and then also a dark side and, you know, by yourself, by yourself. And, and then on top of that, then after all of that, he transforms. And then there's several phases of that. And, you know, that feels very final fantasy esque. And then, you know, kingdom hearts two cranks it up, to 11 with the action but yeah like you said very final fantasy-esque so how, how do you feel about you know how that compares in, in that way to uh the new one I, well kingdom hearts 3 is i because like the fight's more personal because yeah here you have Zeno a lot more just, personal you know who you know you because it's because you know it's just Zaynor wrapped in his you know armor yeah you know? so it's still old master Zaynor in the armor yep but, but, yeah um, very different and it's more personal because here you have this guy who, you know, killed off one of your friends. Yep. You You're know? fighting so, him. So it's like there isn't really a giant transformation. No. You know, of yeah. Satan or it's just him controlling the entire environment to his favor. I think the other interesting thing is that um, especially, you know, compared to Kingdom Hearts 1 and Kingdom Hearts 2. In Kingdom Hearts 1, you know, you're fighting Ansem in... You know, first in Destiny Islands, then in kind of like a destroyed part of Destiny Islands, and then in the Realm of Darkness, and then in uh, you know Kingdom Hearts Two, you're fighting Xemnas throughout, you know, all of the the world that never was, and you know, and then the world of nothingness, and you know, they're all really cool stages. But what makes Kingdom Hearts Three different is that you're going back to not just a you know, a peaceful place, but also this is a part of Xehanort's past and it actually serves to teach you a little bit about Xehanort and his life, so to speak. And this may perhaps give a hint to what happens with Xehanort or, or at least young Xehanort. Cause you know, as we all know, there's clearly a gap between what we know from the Xehanort that is playing chess or playing chess and then the Xehanort that we see in birth by sleep that, you know, is on the shores of destiny islands and, uh, you know, doesn't have, I think we, we heard that he doesn't have any memories and he's like, he looks out onto the sea and says, this world is just too small. Well, it's, just, it's just like you mentioned before how, yeah. this, you know, place becomes like what exactly what Xehanort becomes. It's like, mm-hmm. starts as a beautiful, sunny place, you know, him as a young yep. kid, you know, usually young kids are pure. Yeah. That as he, you know, as the game goes on, you know, he starts talking more and more to Ericus about, you know, darkness and the Keyblade yeah. War. You know, once he starts getting that into his mindset about wanting to know what happened, mm-hmm. that slowly begins his descent into darkness, which is yeah. how Scala and Kylam ends up. Yeah. Beautiful, pure light. And then mm-hmm. it just, you need know, he turns it upside down. Yeah, and then you little know, by little, slowly just destroys it until, exactly. until it's completely engulfed in darkness. Exactly what what you kind of say his heart has become. Yeah, so I think that's really interesting because it almost gives us a preview as to you know if we if we do get to you know come back here at some point and maybe we get to explore more of uh, you know Xehanort's storyline. Maybe you know if that happens, then perhaps. You know, this is kind of the route it's going to take. Is you know maybe Zayn, maybe Zaynort, you know, starts all nice and happy go lucky, and then little by little descends into darkness, and you know perhaps you know similar fate befalls Skal Ad Kylum, because clearly 
nobody in the present knows about that place, so I think that pretty much covers what happened to that. Well, not only that, they revealed that Xehanort's a, por- a portal. Yeah. So basically, you know, when Sora used his, you know, uh, the the power of, was it waking or the whatever yeah, yeah. they used for Diga Access to Sleeping Worlds on Xehanort, yeah. you know, the portal ended up being Skull Lake Highland, which was, you know, like you, like we just brought up, mm-hmm. is a big part of Xehanort's life. Yeah, so for sure. It, so it shows that how much of a connection Xehanort has to Skull Lake Highland. Because, yeah. I mean, think about it. If if he would have came, if Skull Lake Highland was something totally different, that, had, like, I'm sure if it wasn't Skull Lake Highland, it probably would have been Destin Highlands they would have sent him to. Exactly. For exactly. the final battle. Well, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go on record here. I'm gonna make a bet. I think that at some point we're gonna see lots of big changes, you know, come into Scala Ad Kylum. And I think perhaps, much in the way that Daybreak Town apparently became Scala Ad Kylum, I would not be surprised if somehow uh, Scala Ad Kylum slash Daybreak Town also has a similar connection to Destiny Islands and perhaps maybe that Destiny Islands is what becomes of Skull Ad Kylum after it gets destroyed. Maybe. This is my guess. Just a guess. We'll see how, how how it shakes out. But just an idea. And that that might explain the significance of Destiny Islands a little bit more and also might explain why the heck Xehanort shows up there and maybe you know what ends up happening to the that world is that it just turns into a big ocean world and there's just a couple of islands out there and that's all that's left but who knows we'll see uh so yeah moving on from there you know we 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 can get into you know some of the ending stuff so you know from there uh you know you defeat xehanort he explains a little bit more about his plot the fact that he wants to reset the world uh, because people with their darkness pollute it and destroy it and it just keeps growing and growing this endless darkness that is flooding out from uh, humanity so he wants an empty pure world and he wants to be the ruler of it and that's why he wants the keyblade and uh, basically yeah the guardians light the guardians of light come back through kingdom hearts to this world Skala Ad Kylum, to help out Sora be the backup and then uh, Terra sort of like walks towards Xehanort and you know to talk him out of it and then Ericus pops out <laughs> you know th- thank you Mark Campbell for uh, stopping by <laughs> just saying right. just saying hi and uh, yeah Zan- uh, Ericus is like dude just stop <laughs> and then and then uh, Xehanort's like okay I believe you and then <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, uh, he bequeaths Sora with the uh, keyblade and basically says, job well done. Uh, have you ever noticed that for that part right there that, you know, Terra Pass does the mm. bequeathing to Riku and yep. then Kairi actually does the Aqua, but then with Sora, it's actually Master Xehanort? Yeah, and yeah, that's a good point. Sora was never bequeathed a keyblade. He was always, he, he got a keyblade, uh potentially because Riku got his keyblade and then like the keyblade uh, ended up going to Sora but no one actually ever bequeathed him a keyblade so this is his first experience as a keyblade wielder of you know the uh the ritual 
of bequeathing a keyblade and it comes from master xehanor and of all keyblades the the keyblade the actual real keyblade yeah. that opens up kingdom hearts yeah which is crazy which you know not, not to jump ahead too far but what ended up happening to that dang keyblade <laughs> You know, considering all the bad stuff that maybe happens, you know, that seems like a pretty powerful thing that could probably fix any problem. I don't know. Well, it's kind of kind of your typical anime Deus Ex thing Machina. Where, well, it's your, it's your typical anime thing where if yeah. once the main character gets the strongest weapon, they don't have a need for it. Yeah. They never keep, they never really keep their strongest yeah. the strongest weapons ever in their universe. Or yeah. Anything. But I think in this case, I, I do have an idea because he does he does have a big need for something and maybe, maybe whatever, maybe whatever it was that something like all its power or potential got used up to fix that something, which we'll get into in a bit. But, uh, so yeah, Sora gets the Keyblade. He seals kingdom hearts and that sends them back to the Keyblade graveyard in which Sora then reveals that. Nope. I gotta, we're not done here, or at least I'm not done here. I have to go save Kyrie, uh, because you know, as as we know, Kyrie got uh, straight up killed by Xehanort. and yeah, that, 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 that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, and the weird thing is, is Xehanort doesn't even apologize. Nope, doesn't apologize. Sora doesn't even ask for apology. Sora doesn't even appear all that visibly mad. <laughs> doesn't appear all that visibly salty at all about the whole killing Kyrie thing. It's kind of like oh, only, oh, only yeah, one- he killed Kyrie. Only in that one instance where he where he did it in front of her, that was yeah. it, and then, then yeah, he got over it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Dur- during the ending, Sora's like, "Yep, I'm gonna go there." You know, she keeps slipping away from me. Not one more second. I'm gonna go get her right now. I'm gonna use the power of waking. I don't care what the consequences are. I'm gonna do this in this way. And, uh, yeah, that's what happens. Even though Riku tries to talk sense into him and is like, you know, we could talk with Master Yen Sid. We can figure something out, you know, like, let's, let's regroup. Let's figure it out. Like how they always do. Like there's a problem, you know, someone gets lost in the realm of darkness or gets lost somewhere, you know, just like with Aqua and they get trapped for God knows how long. And they have to go on these crazy journeys to try to rescue them uh, later. You know, just like what Mickey did. But Sora, not going to repeat that. He's going to take care of it right this instant. And, uh, yep, that's what he intends to do. And then, finally, we get to see the ending. Everybody goes back to their normal lives. You know, finally, we get to see the somebody versions of Isa and Shion in her casual clothes and Axel in his casual clothes all in Twilight Town, and Naminé's back, and they all get together, they all get into the gummy ship and head off to Destiny Islands for a party, with, you know, to celebrate all of this. And and then, you know, out on the tree, just like they were before they left for the final battle, there's Kyrie and Sora, and they, they do at least get a handhold, kinda. <laughs> Like Sora's got his hand on Kyrie's hand and that is touching and they, and he gives it a nice grip, which, you know, if you remember back to the old Ultimania for, uh, for kingdom hearts two, they joked about how cruel, uh, Tetsuya Nomura was for the ending of kingdom hearts two, where Sora puts the oath, oath keepers, uh, lucky charm back into Kyrie's hand. And they were wondering how long they should hold it there because it would look like, 
Sora's holding Kyrie's hand and Namora just wanted it there for a split second because he didn't want them to have that much. But in this time, they get a really nice hand hold hand on top of hand and he like gives it a nice squeeze. There is something there before he goes and straight up disappears. <laughs> Say it ain't so, Churro. Say it ain't so. I will not go. Turn the lights off. Carry me home. No, 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 no. So sad. I'll just say, Churro, when I saw that, even though Don't Think Twice was playing, I do love Don't Think Twice, all I could feel was bitter and cold and numb. I didn't know what to feel in that moment. And you're not the only one either. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what? I wasn't sad. I wasn't crying. I'm just like, I waited 13 years for this. And I just felt like, no, I reject this ending. I will think up my own ending. I will create my own headcanon ending. They will be fine together and we will be done. I am done with Kingdom Hearts. As far as I was concerned in that moment, I was done with Kingdom Hearts. That is, however, not the case now. And we'll talk about that more next episode when we talk about the stuff that comes after the secret ending. And I'll talk about more uh, about how I got pulled back in. But before we do that, Churro, uh, on the whole, the ending, very happy, except for for Sora. How did you feel about the ending uh, on the whole and then also what the final scene of the ending was? How did you feel about the ending in, in both of those respects? Well... It's 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 weird how like everybody's so happy. Mm-hmm. Like like you just heard Sora, you know, you heard you heard Mickey tell Sora there's a consequence to using that power. Yes. And Sora and then Riku doesn't even try to talk sense to Sora still. Yeah. You know, he's just like let him go. Yeah. And then after all that it's like you know, they I'm assuming I mean, it's not what's not clear here is how much of that ending is to be taken literally and how much of it is more figurative or if it's all literal, because if, if it's all literal, then they see Sora out there on the tree with Kyrie and then they see him disappear, you know, or, you know, taking less literally, maybe Kyrie's there sitting out there on her own. And then they know what that means is that she's lonely and misses Sora. I don't know how they could possibly be celebrating at a time like this. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, like, if one of my friends decided to take a risk mm-hmm. using the power of waking like that, yeah, my first thing would be find Yen said. Yeah, we and we have to be the ones to be smart and figure out what the problem is, well, and you know, we need what, to think it through. So we're not dumb like Sora and get trapped, you know, via the means of power of waking. Yeah, it's you know it's. Why then, you know, everybody is all, you know, in their own worlds again, you know, finally reunited, but yet like, and then they're celebrating on the beach and playing around, you know, and it's like, like you said, there's, this is really a time to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah. That aspect of it, I don't quite understand. Maybe there is a reason. Maybe actually, maybe they've discovered like what, what they need to do and, uh, they're they're just celebrating because like oh yeah we we know what to do we'll and we'll take care of it but let's let's celebrate this you know the time that we have now because at the very least this world has peace 
I don't see how they can celebrate in that time, but that's that's really the only thing I can think of at this moment. So, uh, so yeah, I think that pretty much uh, covers our story discussion of uh, the main story of uh, of Kingdom Hearts three. Um, uh, we'll we'll get into uh, a more in depth discussion on next show about the uh, uh, about the secret content, uh, the additional content after the uh, end credits play. Uh, but yeah, I just want to uh, move on now to the news segments. I know this this show is already getting long in the tooth, but we'll do our uh, our our business to at least cover the news that has uh, been coming out here. We don't have much information, so. Uh, I just want to make sure that you all know about what's been going on, but just just drop too. Yeah. Literally just drop. So I just want to be clear from now on all spoilers are fair game. That includes secret ending stuff. So if you haven't uh, unlocked that for whatever reason, uh, I'll also say there's a, there are things known as secret reports in kingdom hearts. If you have not read those, those are also fair game. So just fair warning, uh, full spoiler warning uh, for everything from now on. Okay. So now we're in full spoiler mode. Um, well, I guess this first part doesn't really matter, spoiler or not spoiler, but just a, just as a, a as a reminder, um, kit critical mode is out right now. You can go play it. Uh, uh, Churro, you're the only one of the two of us that has touched it. Uh, what what are your like first impressions of critical mode as a difficulty mode? You're gonna die a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I died once to the dark side because yep. I did because I was just because I was you know you're, I'm trying to you're trying to get a feel of how much damage yeah they can do to you because your your HP is very tiny yeah you're not the only and, one that I've heard this from yeah I've heard it from a lot of people actually who were who weren't even trying to like gauge like how much damage you'll take but this yeah, is yeah. more like them dying trying to beat him like exactly it's just like. Yeah, and and that's the thing is at least my understanding, and you can tell me if the, if you feel this is correct, Juro, But at least from what I remember, with Kingdom Hearts Two Final Mix, the idea behind the critical mode is that it's trying to incentivize a different style of combat. It's not yes. it's not just a higher difficulty level. Like we got that in, in in Kingdom Hearts Three. I know for a lot of you, it's not difficult enough. But, you know, from beginner to proud mode, that's what those are, is they're all pretty much the same mode with the same style of gameplay, but it's just with harder setups or harder stakes, you know, stronger enemies, maybe lower HP, but overall pretty much the same. But critical mode, they not only do they make the enemy stronger, but they make you stronger and they also give you more abilities but they also make you very easy to kill you know in uh, mmos they call this a uh, glass cannon you know it's a character that's very powerful but also very susceptible to being uh killed or being defeated and that's kind of where you're at and the kind of gameplay this tends to promote is more tactical gameplay you want to get in your hits be offensive but you also want to block and you also want to dodge a lot blocking and dodging are suddenly become just as if not more important than attacking is that that all still hold true in kingdom hearts uh three critical mode as far as you know churro is that does does that all seem to hold true still in kingdom hearts three critical mode okay because 
because, um, like I said, your HP and PR halved. Yep. So, like, one of the biggest things that people said that, like, fire was powerful, but now you can't really Yeah, now you can't really cast it that much. Yeah. Um, I'm also, they I'm added, also they hearing... New, yeah. They added a new ability, which mm-hmm. disable can disable the uh, attraction flows. Yes, finally. Because those are the things that I think a lot of people were complaining about, was that the attraction flow just... It didn't... Happen too often. Yeah, happens too often, but I, I'm surprised that... Uh, the ability completely disables it, right? It disables the ones that appear on enemies because, like the yes. the one that has the green reticles on the enemies. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those once are you gone. defeat them. Yeah, those are gone. But the ones that are mandatory for fights are still. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like uh, for example, the train one uh, for uh, the Rock Titan, or the train one for the uh, large enemy battle. You know, towards the end of the game. So the, yeah. yeah, those are mandatory. So that 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 makes sense. And he and like and and during my, I, I only got up to Twilight Town the first visit, and I have never dodged so much in my life. Yeah, in wow. Kingdom, in Kingdom Hearts three. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a crazy and exciting. I can't wait uh, to get into it. I'm gonna wait just a little bit, just so uh, more of the speedrunning community can get through it and get more better strategies and get you know, some nice explainer videos out so people like me can do okay at it. Um, but yeah, I- I'm excited for it. Like, I'll just say, like, as as someone who's not that great at Kingdom Hearts gameplay, uh, playing Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix critical mode was a real eye-opening experience to what Kingdom Hearts gameplay can be. And I really love the type of gameplay that is incentivized with critical mode. I like dodging. I like blocking. And kind of wish that maybe the main difficulty modes kind of learned a little bit more from what critical mode is all about. It's also so surprising, like, what, you know a couple of new abilities and having abilities at the beginning that you normally wouldn't have. And then also like complete rebalancing how much that changes the game. It like, does. And especially it's so different, especially, especially when they also give you uh like a, they also give you a few abilities started to also give you like a, a good armor. Yeah. Accessory yeah. To start out with too as well. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. And yeah. Uh, the other thing that I've been hearing is that, they want they're trying to incentivize you to look into more of uh keyblade transformations and form changes like that's that's one of the things they're pushing really hard with uh with critical mode is that correct uh so far yeah okay yeah cuz i think with critical converter that's that's so that's the one that disables um the the green reticles that appear that do the attraction flow but i think it also converts what would normally be those things into faster loading for the form changes. I believe that's how that works. Yeah, they, they'll all convert it to a form change instead. Okay, so that's cool. And, um, yeah, I prefer that a lot better. Well, because like, I'm doing a fresh Critical More playthrough on, my, on yeah. my Xbox One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have it on, but then like, because honestly, the some of the um, attraction flows did kind of come in handy. Yeah, true, Especially true. when you're not doing... Well, well especially during... The Olympus segment, because you don't yes. have everything, all your abilities. Exactly. At the beginning of the you. game, it's kind of important to have it. But now that you have, like... But once you get to, like, the final boss of Olympus, it's like, you'll get everything yeah. back. And then you, from there, you just have to... Um, 
you know, rely on your on your skills, dodging, yeah, you know, blocking, and um, yeah. So it it kind of it, it kind of fits that neatly with it. Though I've read from popular, you know, Kingdom Hearts speedrunners that it is still some things are still broken. Mm-hmm. You can still abuse, like mainly the link forms. Like the link forms mm-hmm. still deal the amount of damage it's supposed to. Yeah. But the only difference is that you don't have the MP for it. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I can't wait to see what the community will uh, figure out with this and see what kind of strategies they can find. And uh, yeah, once once they do all that hard work, <laughs> then I'll see if I can enjoy it. Because I'll just say, I, look, I completely give up when it comes to uh, trying to discover strategies. That's not me. I'm not the kind of person that's going to discover the strategies. I'm... I'm the kind of person that would just bash my head against the wall and not make any progress. So I need them to figure that out for me. So I'm I'm excited for what they discover. So uh, moving on from there, here's some uh, some of the big news. Uh, this comes straight out of the Kingdom Hearts Orchestra, which just began touring. Uh, they just had uh, two shows in Tokyo. So uh, Kingdom Hearts Three Remind is the title of what the DLC package is going to be. Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind, not Final Mix. That's uh, that's something new for the series, Remind. I guess maybe they're, they're, that also leaves it open to the future that maybe we'll get a Kingdom Hearts 3 Final Mix in the distant future, but uh, yeah, at least as far as we know for the time being, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind announced. And uh, there's going to be... Uh, they announced... Uh, the two different tiers of DLC. There will be uh, some free DLC, not very much, but some, and uh, quite a bit of paid DLC. So uh, the first bit, which is the free DLC, is we'll definitely get at least one new Keyblade and one new form. I'm I'm assuming that that Keyblade will have the form uh, that will be free DLC. And then in the paid DLC column, we've got an additional scenario, which is called the Remind Scenario. Uh, it's not clear how that fits into the game, but scenario, which would we, we need story. So there'll be a storyline called remind that is somehow incorporated in game. That's one DLC. Another DLC is called the limit episode, which seems to include multiple, uh, multiple bosses. And then, uh, beyond that, there is the secret episode, which uh, is said to include at least one boss. And then, Reported yeah, we, that it's been insanely difficult, like uh, yes, um, the uh, mysterious figure from Breath by Sleep, and yeah. that's the uh, pre-Final Mix version of that, which means Yeesh. when uh, yeah, before they nerfed him in the uh, Final Mix version, yeah, 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 and then uh, in addition to all of that, they also mentioned that uh, English voice acting will be a download option. Uh, now, just to be clear. This, again, all stuff announced at the Japanese concert. We haven't had any specific announcements regarding what this is going to be like for uh, North America and uh, English-speaking, primarily English-speaking countries. So we don't know if we'll have the option for Japanese voices as well. But well, no, uh, no more we'll did mention see. at the yeah. concert that more information will become in, during the time where, where it's, I think, rain rains more in Japan, which is yeah, June. That's June. So yeah. basically, you know, there is a concert in June in mm, LA. I wonder, I wonder what they'll talk that's about. That's the weekend before E3 as well. Exactly. So you know, and Nomura's been to the 
to the um, E3 con- the LA concerts before yeah. E3 twice already. Yep. So, you know, last year and the year before. So why not make it a third for Kingdom Hearts yeah, 3? Yeah, for sure. So I kind of feel, personally, just a guess, I'm thinking we might get a trailer at the concert. You know, it is E3 after all. And if they if they intend to perhaps uh, release this DLC, at least in Japan, at the end of the year, I don't know. Well, I don't know if they will, but if they do, like, uh, they, they got to start promoting it some somewhere. Eh, why not E3? Uh, speaking of which, Churro, uh, Square Enix announced they will be having a proper press conference at E3. And not only are they going to have a proper press conference, they are taking Sony's primetime slot. That's crazy. I mean, for one, it's crazy like, Sony's not going to be there. But it's also crazy that they got the slot that Sony had and no one else took it. Is it going to be something like they did in 2015? Or is it, I, is it just going to be... I hope like, so, like they but do, we don't know yet. Like they did last yeah. year, which was just a, a Twitch video, like a Nintendo Direct. Mm. That's yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I, didn't, I didn't get the details on that. All I know is the time slot. But yeah, I'm hoping it's uh, the former because... I mean, clearly they do have big titles in production. They have several big titles in production, at, you know, at various levels of completion. Everybody knows, you know, Final Fantasy VII. That's like the biggest one. And on top of that, they have a, not only that they have a concert ready and waiting for it. Namora has been hinting this whole time all year that uh, the time to start talking about Final Fantasy VII, you know, will come after Kingdom Hearts three. That's where we are. So. Uh, you know, it's it definitely seems like that's going to be a thing, and you know how big of a draw the seven remake is at E three. It's always huge, so I think that's a a big possibility. They also have the Avengers game that they have not shown really anything for. It's another big thing that has been in production that's on their you know more North American side of their uh, development hand. So. There's a lot to show, uh, or and there's also Yoshida just announced the the next big game that he's working on. It's probably too early for that, but you know it, it's not impossible that they might show like a teaser video or something for that. But I mean, on top of that, I, I, I mean, I'll just throw this out there: Final Fantasy 15 came out in 2016, and we don't know what the next Final Fantasy is going to be like or what it you know when it's going to happen at all. And I mean, I do hate to see final fantasy games announced way too early, but you know, square. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. So, uh, if you see a new final fantasy, a number one announced, I mean, look, regardless of what you feel about 15, it did sell a lot. So, you know, it is what it is. Square Enix is not giving up on numbered Final Fantasies. So, just saying. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot coming. And uh, I'm really excited for this uh, DLC. I, I just want to, you know, real quick comment on some of these things. At least what I I personally think about it. And I'll, I'll see what you think about it, Churro. So, uh, as for the additional sc- scenario, Remind, you know, just, just the title, Remind. It's, you know, we have to remind someone needs to be reminded of something and probably me because i'm getting too old to yeah you, there you go uh I, I just want to mention that there's a lot of characters that could be associated with this particular name or this particular word 
you know, remind, you know, uh, calls up the concept of memories and, uh, hmm, really interesting. We woke up a certain character and brought back a certain character, a certain memory, which nominee, hmm, I wonder why we might've brought her back, you know, well, other than like, of course we're going to bring her back, but Hey, hey, I'm just saying, you know, with a, with a title like this seems like she would be one of those ones that would be pretty significant. If, if, if there's any, you know, story related to memories, like, you know, she's our memory girl. So that's one aspect. Another aspect brought it up earlier. Hey, who's a character that, uh, classically as of kingdom hearts one, we know has lost memories that has very strong ties to nominee. Oh, it's Kyrie. Yeah. So that's another one. Uh, another character that, uh, has memory issues that we have not discovered. We don't know where that person is, is whoever is trapped in that cage in uh that is talked about in the secret reports don't know about that another character that has memory issues or people uh remembering them the nameless star in that is trapped in final world and uh she doesn't know when her person that's supposed to find her is going to find her so whoever that is needs to get reminded so there's a lot of there's a lot of options there's a lot of directions this could go so I don't know where it's going to go. Those are just some ideas that I have, you know, speculatively that, you know, maybe it might go in one of those directions or none of them. It could could be completely different. It could be completely wrong. But I think it's interesting that they do say an additional scenario as an additional story. To me, that makes me think of what happened in Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix where they added cutscenes throughout the game. So maybe that could be how that is worked in is maybe there's cutscenes, you know, at various parts of the game that relate to this remind plot line. Uh, in addition to that, there's this thing called the limit episode that has multiple bosses, uh, which makes me think about the data organization boss fights from final mix. Um, you know, it's interesting to see that, you know, all the organization members have battle mechanics yet. We only fight them during the final battle and only like all at once. So maybe we get to fight data organization members. I hope not. I hope that's not all it something is. New. I mean, I, I hope so too. They, it's already been done once, you know. Exactly. Like we need some. We need new opponents. Maybe, maybe an organization thirteen boss rush where it's like, yeah, all of them at one time or something. You know, what would be cool is okay. Let's say hypothetically, like that would be a place where you do get to fight the organization members. You know, however it is, you get to fight them. But it would be nice if there's also other things too, like not just the organization member boss fights, like. Uh, how about memory mode? Speaking of remind, and you get to like sit in like maybe the bubble that uh, from Chain of Memories, and you get to remember things and refight them. And hmm, what if we could play a certain deep dive? Just throwing that out there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's 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 one of the things in my mind. Moving on from there, we got the secret episode, Chiro. Seek the only thing that I think of when I hear secret is Yozora. Sure, do you think it's gotta do, be Do you think we're going to Tokyo in the secret episode? <laughs> you think well, they're gonna get that crazy or, or are we gonna discover Yozora in a random place? It's gotta be that, because remember, they sent us they gave mm-hmm. us the first look of the Keyblade graveyard with yes. uh, with you know Kingdom Hearts 2 final mix. And yes. you know, a fight with the lingering will. So that's a good point. 
That's a good point. Uh, like and then, if, you know, if we think about it in course, the Kingdom Hearts 2 context, like we did go to the Keyblade graveyard. So it's not unusual if they want to. I mean, Nomura's known for like letting us have yeah. a sample yes. of something, you know, of something upcoming. I know? mean, they could be really, really cheap. Churro, I, I hate this idea, but they could be super cheap. And what if they just reuse the battle stage from the Verumrex mini game, and yeah. then you fight Yozora there? Oh, that would be stupid. Ah, oh, don't hey, do that. I, I mean, that's happened similarly before in Dream yeah. Blood Distance, where yep. they, you fought Julius. Yes, this is a random re- part in in Traverse Town. Ugh, so, I hope they know, never like, do that. So, you know, it can go either way, but I still believe... I believe in Nomura. I believe, yes, let's believe in Nomura. And the fact that we're paying for this DLC. Yes, so let's... Uh, so let's just hope that it is Yozora and, and a part of, you know... Uh, what was it? Shibuya, where Sora yes. goes to. Yeah, so. that would be good. So let's let's hope for that. So secret episode plus boss... I mean, what's interesting here is that it's specifically called a secret episode, which also recalls like Aqua and, you know, remember back in, in Birth by Sleep how it wasn't just a secret movie or it wasn't just a secret boss where you just get one area. No, it was like a it was a pretty fleshed out area. I mean, it was very repetitive. Don't get me wrong, but like it was a new area and it had like its own like cutscenes and like there's an event you know, whole event scenes and all that. And it ended off with a, with a, a final battle and then a secret ending on top of that. So maybe it's similar to that. Like maybe we'll actually like, if we do go to Shibuya, maybe we'll actually get to like explore it a little bit, which would be, that'd be pretty cool. I think. No, I'll probably like Scott, like I um, walk two steps, cutscene, <laughs> walk two steps, cutscene. and a fight and then a fight. And then, and then after that, you're, and then once you win, you just yeah. end up back where you were. <laughs> oh my god! And just like Sora has a flashback of Donald saying, "You can admire it later," <laughs> and then it just pops back like, oh, "Sora, we're fighting." Oh no, that would be terrible. Well, I, I I will just say, if it does end up being that the boss is Yozora and it is Sora fighting, I just have a feeling that you know it's going to be a solo fight. You know, because it would not make sense whatsoever if uh, if. Uh, Sora, Donald, and Goofy were all, uh, all, all fighting together because they're supposed to not be there. But I guess we'll see. Um, there is one other spoiler thing that I do want to bring up, but I think this is a spoiler that goes beyond our spoiler warning that we said before. So, okay, I'm gonna put in an additional spoiler warning because this goes a spoiler level deeper. You know, this is like a Super Saiyan three spoiler, a spoiler that goes even further beyond. So, so further beyond, I mean, like, it's uh, spoilers for critical mode. So, if you haven't beaten critical mode, which I'm assuming is a lot of you, and you don't want to be spoiled by a certain thing from critical mode that happens when you beat the game, it's not huge. And you may have already seen this in another form, but you may not realize that it has, it could potentially have more significance than we realize, uh, or at least what that we realized from before. So if you haven't been in critical mode, or at least you don't care, I, I'm going to be talking about a, a piece of artwork, a 2D piece of artwork. So if that do, if that doesn't sound bad to you, you can stay around. If it does, I totally understand. You can listen to this later, maybe. All right, so spoiler mode on. This is Super Saiyan 3 spoilers. Okay, we all good? 
So there was that scene that, you know, basically there's a artwork piece that after you beat critical mode, uh, the ending artwork, it could have no significance or it could have some significance is that they showed the cast, the artwork of the Kingdom Hearts cast wearing the casual outfits that super groupies made. And I, I just find that interesting that they made that the ending artwork considering you know people were thinking that maybe that's the those are the costumes of what they're going to be wearing in this new real world setting or real world inspired setting i mean it wouldn't make it would be kind of weird if they stuck to the same outfits that they currently have if they're going to be in a real world setting so i mean it's possible that this might be uh, uh you know what their costumes will be and you know that artwork might be a hint Cause it's just really weird that they would show that. Cause it's like, wait, why are you, why are you showing this artwork here in the game in this new DLC? So, you know, for a lot of people that feels like a hint. So I don't know. Turo, what, what do you feel? Do you think they're going to wear that, that costume in Shibuya? Those costumes in Shibuya? Like as a, like, like main costumes, like, like those might be their main costumes. Do you think so? Yeah, it's a possibility. Yeah, I mean, considering that, um, are we still in spoiler mode? We're still in. We are in Super Saiyan three spoiler mode, so we're okay. Well, Anything's I mean, this, okay. Is, this, this is this is this is be, this is before Super Saiyan spoiler mode. But okay, like, when you when you beat critical mode, the actual artwork at the end is yes. them in their super groupies outfit. Yes. Yeah. 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 That, so yeah. That's what we're talking now. With, so with the amount of promotion with that, I wouldn't be surprised if that became their main costumes. Yeah, I, I would agree. Like, it kind of reminds me of back in the day with uh, Rowan and Final Fantasy Versus thirteen. how Nomura reached out to them to design those costumes, and they, they stuck with that. Hey, you know, say what you will about Tabata, he did stick with those uh, those costumes, so... Uh, but yeah, that's... Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I'm feeling. The only thing that's kind of a letdown, just a little bit, is the fact that it shows all the characters in those outfits, and it kind of ruins the idea that Sora's alone, stuck in that that world line, you know, because all the characters have costumes. So it's like, why would they have costumes if they don't eventually go there? I mean, of course, in Kingdom Hearts, they're not going to be gone forever. But I don't know. I kind of wish I didn't know what they look like. So, but we'll see. We'll see. You know, the, the, there's still much more to know about the future of whatever Kingdom Hearts is, and it's all still very vague. So we'll have to see. Another uh, little bit of news, uh, uh, you know, longtime series executive producer Shinji Hashimoto is now officially off the off, you know, Kingdom Hearts. He's, he's not working on the Kingdom Hearts team anymore. And now we'll be uh, executive producer uh, leading the or uh, like main director or like. I don't know. He's he's leading the business division that relates to like media products. So it seems like he's taking more of a hands-off approach maybe from game development, which totally understandable. The the guy's getting old. So, you know, making games is very stressful. So, I don't I do not for one second uh, you know, judge him at all for that and uh, you know, just wish him well in his new uh position and hope that uh you know it, it it's good for him uh for anybody worried about you know Shinji Hashimoto leaving after all this time i mean yeah it, i mean it it does suck and like he he's such a nice guy 
but I would I'll just say creatively speaking, he he he's always been fairly hands off uh, from the Kingdom Hearts series, especially since like the earlier games. Like since the earlier games, he's sort of like after that he sort of like became more hands off because he's an executive producer. <laughs> you know, they're they're mostly focused on the business side of Kingdom Hearts. You know, it's not so much the creative side. You know, if a producer really gets involved in the creative side, that would mostly be Yudia Nishi. And she's, as far as we know, she's still in the Kingdom Hearts team. But even then, producers are mostly on the business end of things, you know, making sure that the money flow is good and, you know, making sure things happen, you know, in terms of development timelines and like keeping the project on track. And, you know, it's less of a, a creative position and more of a position that, makes all this magic happen which is important absolutely an important position uh not trying to diminish it whatsoever but for anyone worried about it about his departure affecting you know the creative aspect of the series you know just don't worry he, he he wasn't really involved in that side of things in the first place anyway so but you know even then uh you know just wanted to say that you know we greatly appreciate Shinji Hashimoto and all the things that he's done for the series because he's a cool guy. He's very, very sweet too. Yeah, like so he, nice. At the concert last year, he was like, when I, I, not just last year, but the very first one in 2017. Yeah. Um, I approached him with uh, to get a photo with him because even though I've gotten photos with him before, but it yeah. was just a momentous occasion. Um, I took a photo. And when when other fans saw me taking a photo with Shinji, everybody started lighting up. There was like a good size wow. line. And Hashimoto took a photo with every single one of them. That's amazing. You know, what a stand-up guy. Know, he is. And he did the same thing last year, too. He was hanging normally. You know how Nomura is already in the back. Yeah. You know, away from everybody. Hashimoto's like there, right at the front entrance. Yep. You know you know just like just hanging out with the other Square Enix employees talking and if anybody wants to approach him for a photo he's down to do it and he's and you know and, and not just at concerts but like at cons when he's there at E3 mm-hmm. um, you know it's just he's just a really amazing person he's yeah just, absolutely there's really nothing negative about the, about him, and yeah. now that he's got a Twitter account, you know it's so nice to see him take pic- yeah. all the selfies. Yeah, if, any, if anything, if for for us who you know greatly appreciate all his effort, if anything, we get to see more of him because now he's not working on such a secretive project that he's got to be like you know under lock and key all the time and only out when you know it's time to promote things. You know, now I feel like he can be a lot more free you know, in the position that he's currently in. So that's, that, that's always great. So yeah. Uh, other than that, you know, the, the person that will be uh, taking his place is Ichiro Hazama and he comes from uh, the Dissidia team. Is is that correct? Yeah. Dissidia. Okay. Cause uh, he made a tweet actually earlier, mm-hmm. like kind of like, you know, it was in Japanese, but it was off the Dissidia uh, Twitter account and mm-hmm. it mentioned Kingdom Hearts and had a, he was backstage at the uh, concert. Um, cool. So it's it's kind of like him uh, introducing himself. That's cool. So, uh, so yeah, Kingdom Hearts team always needs fresh blood, so to speak. So it's good to have uh, have a nice fresh face. And I'll just say, like, whatever role 
you know, uh, Shinji, Mashu- Shinji Hashimoto had on the Kingdom Hearts series. I'm glad that they chose this time to make the transition because, you know, in that same way, the Kingdom Hearts series itself is in a transitionary period. We just finished a, the ma- massive first saga of the series, and now we're moving on to the next one. So if there was ever a time for new people to come on, this is the time to do it because you get right in on the ground floor, you know, right when the big decisions are being made. So, you know, in terms of like uh, how he's going to fit into the team, I feel like this is the best time to do it. So I'm glad that, you know, it just so happens that, you know, this is the time that the transition happened. So it's great. So, yeah, that pretty much wraps up our news for today. Our music for this episode is a cover of Don't Think Twice. It's a violin cover by Luna Lorraine on YouTube. Uh, Very uh, soothing and relaxing cover. Uh, I hope for any of you that are still burned by the ending of Kingdom Hearts 3, I hope this doesn't bring up any uh, sour feelings. Uh, I, I hope not, but I just want not to remind the, not you. The, not the music's sake. Yeah, the music the, is good. The music's great. But I will remind anyone that feels any sadness as you're listening to this beautiful cover of Don't Think Twice, I want you to have the vision in your mind, not of Sora disappearing, but of Sora and Kairi sharing the Pau fruit, because that is the most important thing. That is the one thing that we have to hold on to as Kingdom Hearts fans, the one thing we must never forget, and the one thing we must never let Tetsuya Nomura forget. I know he won't, but we'll never let him forget it, that Kairi and Sora shared a Pau fruit, and Kairi even said it herself. She wanted to do it because it would mean that their lives would be forever intertwined. So don't you forget it. Saying that to you, all Kingdom Hearts fans, and saying that to you, Tetsuya Nomura, and saying that to me, and saying that to you, Jura. Say it to everybody. They're stuck together forever, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's what it means. That's the rules. Pow Poo Fruit rules. Got it memorized? As Quentin Flynn would say. So, anyway, uh, our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 14th of May. As always, you can subscribe to Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union on the iTunes Store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts and we're number one! And, of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. And remember, you can support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And send us your questions to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. Alright, guys. It's goodbye time. It's a very long episode. It's a long episode, I know. Uh, that's the thing about these Kingdom Hearts 3 discussions. They always, they always, we always got a lot of, a lot to say. I mean, it's a big game. We've been waiting for this for so long, Churro. So, true, true. I think, I, it's not over yet. Yeah, it's not over yet. We still have one big one left. But at least all the main story content is done. So we can focus on just the secret ending and the epilogue. And yeah, after that, so starting next episode, from now on, all Kingdom Hearts spoilers will be fair game. So I hope all of you have completed Kingdom Hearts 3, seen the, seen the epilogue, seen the secret ending, defeated all the battle link portals, battle gates, whatever they're called, and gotten all the secret reports and read them. So as long as we're all on the same page, I hope to join you next episode so we can talk about 
the future of the series. And for me, what personally brought me back from the brink and decided that not only was I not anymore salty about the Kingdom Hearts 3 ending, but in fact, I couldn't be more excited for the future of the series. And that's how I feel. And that's what I want to talk about on next episode. So, all right, Cheryl, say goodbyes. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next one. And I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.